you know, it's it, it, whatever whatever you go through that is is tough. Like at least, hopefully, you take something out of it. Um, I definitely take a lot out of what what happened with us, and I'm and I'm and I'm continuing. And I thank Shannon for really pushing me, honestly, to um, to open up our relationship because I don't know where I would be right now if we hadn't done that. Um, and it ultimately was not successful for the two of us together. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 210. We're Fit and Emma, and today we have an interview with Dave. Dave has previously been on the show. He was on episode 166 with his then-partner, Shannon, and he comes back today by himself. Yeah, the first part of this conversation is a little bit about how their relationship transitioned and sort of what sort of what happened after our last conversation on episode 166, which you don't necessarily need to listen to, but it might be a little helpful. Yeah. Um, but he kind of gives the backstory and talks about what happened. But the bulk of the conversation is really about what what non-monogamy has looked like for him in the last seven or eight months and sort of his journey into solo poly overcoming sort of jealousy or not necessarily overcoming it, but like working through it and, and just all of the growth that has happened. And so it's a really great conversation and we're really grateful for him, um, to him for coming back on. So thank you, Dave, for being here and for your vulnerability. We appreciate it. Before we jump into Dave's interview, we do have a couple of quick announcements. First up, a huge thank you to our incredible Patreon community. We've had new people join this last month and that's amazing. We're incredibly grateful again for each and every one of you. If you're looking for community, we'd love to have you come check us out in the Patreon community. We have monthly Q&As, men's and women's groups, and an ongoing MeWe chat as well. To find out more, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button. Yeah, and if you decide to check it out and maybe it's not for you, you can cancel any time, and we will never be hurt by that. We just want you to find your tribe, your people, and if our people aren't your people, that's okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. But... We think our people are your people. Probably. But only one way to find out and prove us wrong or right. Yes, go check it out. If you feel like Patreon might not be the best fit, we also host monthly virtual meet and greets that are open to anyone that wants to join. You just have to be open-minded. Our next virtual meet and greets are going to be on, we have two of them coming up in December, one on December 9th, that's a Thursday, and one on December 17th, that's a Friday. I had a thought about that. What? Well... You know, a lot of the people who are in our Patreon group also join the Q&As. You mean the meet and greets? That's what I meant. <laughs> you're going to confuse people. Well, that's good. At least you're here to <laughs> at least you're here to help me not confuse everybody. Uh-huh. So a lot of the people in the Patreon group join the meet and greets. Very true. And so if you want to maybe get a feel for like what that's going to be like, the the meet and greets are a really great way to do that. It's a couple hours. It's as cheap as you want it to be. We don't charge anything, but you're welcome to make a donation. It's pay what you want. Pay what you want. And so we hope to see you there in December. Again, two opportunities to do that. No excuses for missing them. None. None. No excuses. No. Nope. No holiday excuses. Nope. No. Just come join us. They're not on Christmas. 
No. Or any other holidays in December? That we know of. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't fully check that out. So our apologies if we fucked that up. <laughs> I love how you just were realizing that right now. <laughs> well, better late than never. <laughs> We'll have an update for this next week. Anyway, um, if you're interested in joining the virtual meet and greets, just go to our website. You know it by now, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the community events tab, and all the information is there. If you're not down with the virtual meetings, we have started doing in-person meet and greets. We did a couple of them in October, and we have a spring tour planned for 2022. The first stop is going to be New Orleans at the beginning of February. Our uh, meet and greet there will be February 7th. We're taking over an entire bar. It's going to be awesome. And of course, we're requiring vaccines and we hope to see you there. We're giving you plenty of time. No reason not to be there. While you're on our website, don't forget, go to the contact us button, send us an email, send us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. You could also check out the podcast tab. We have show notes for every single episode that we've published with pictures of our guests and links to all the resources that are mentioned. So... I think that's it. That is all of it. We get it. We got it. Yeah, let's we, go talk. We get it. We got it. <laughs> We're falling apart. Let's falling get out apart. of here before we fall apart completely. Let's go talk to Dave. Welcome back uh, to the show, Dave. Uh, we're excited to be talking again. It's been about a year since we talked to you last. And last time we talked to you, you were here with uh, your partner, Shannon. Today, you're flying solo, and we're going to hear... All about that and where where you've been the last year, what's been going on, and we're so we're excited to have you back. Thanks for reaching back out and for coming back on. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be back. Yeah. Well, we we know a little bit about you because we talked to you last time, but for anybody who maybe hasn't listened to episode 166 or doesn't know who you are, do you want to introduce yourself and maybe a little bit of your background and we can kind of do a short, abridged version of up to to up to a year ago and then we can kind of pick it up a year ago sure uh so yeah I, I, you know the the last time i was on was really um almost exclusively talking about backgrounds so there's i definitely don't want to get yeah. uh too too much into that but yeah i um i'm uh 43 years old i have been in uh non-monogamous relationships in one form or another since I think 2014, so about seven years, uh, which was at the point where I um, left a monogamous relationship and started dating and then met my ex-wife. Um, my partner that I was on with before, we had been, we had gotten together in January of 2019, um, and we met under auspicious circumstances uh, in an uh, in informal and messy uh, thruple uh, that uh, we met on Jam Cruise. We talked a lot about that. Um, I was on it with a different partner, and then met Shannon, and then um, tried to make a tried to make a triad work um, with one of the partners being long distance, and that quickly fell apart and taught me some valuable lessons about expectations and. Uh, uh, not having expectations for things to work when not everybody's on board. Um, Shannon and I had a little bit of a tumultuous relationship over two and a half years, I guess. Um, we talked a bit about that when we were on, that we kind of had a pattern of breaking up and getting back together. And yep. when we were on last, we were diving into, we had not been monogamous 
uh, from the time that we had gotten together, but we were a few months into opening up completely and not just being ethically non-monogamous in a sexual standpoint, playing with others uh, and and more allowing uh, other relationships to develop and dating separately. So going full polyamorous uh, was where we were at uh, when we were on last. Yeah, sort of the you were just about to jump off into the deep end with it. And right. and when you said your relationship was monogamous from kind of from the beginning up until that point. No, uh, non-monogamous. Yeah. So you said non-monogamous? Yeah. Okay, I I I heard monogamous and I was like, well, apart from the thruple, but uh that makes that makes a lot more sense. Maybe I misheard. I apologize. <laughs> um but like you said that was largely more of a swinging casual encounters kind of dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, okay. we, we talked a lot about uh, all the threesomes that we were having with her friends. Her, yeah, her, yeah, which was why I was surprised when you said monogamous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was no, like, well, hey, not. I didn't know threesomes didn't count anymore. Okay, well, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> so I think – go ahead, Emma. Sorry. No, it's all good. I was just – I thanks for that brief introduction, and um, I – I think it makes the most sense to pick up like about a year ago and talk about, let you talk about uh, your journey and what you'd like to share. Um, and and before we started recording, you talked a little bit about wanting to lay a little a groundwork about, obviously Shannon is not joining you here on the podcast. And so that's probably going to come up and how you want to sort of um, approach this conversation. And so we wanted to give you the opportunity to, to kind of lay that foundation for, for us and for everybody else as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to be very conscious of the fact that she's not here to defend herself. And I, as I was expressing to you, I'm very nervous about this interview because I really don't want to come across as just being negative and bashing the things that happened or the things that she did. Although I do have very strong feelings about a lot of things, obviously, Um, and I just want to kind of preface my telling the story of what happened over the next six months, um, after we spoke last by saying, please reserve judgment until the end, because I know in, in, in my mind, especially coming from my perspective, I know that she's not going to come across in the best light, but she obviously has her side of the story as well. And I think that the end result after all is said and done is actually really positive. And I'm reaching a place where I am forgiving and letting go of uh, a lot of my, my anger about the way that things happened. Um, so just don't judge too harshly until, it, until we get to the end, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, disclaimer clarification. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So picking up, where we left off, I, I think that we were, you know, really um, about to. We had, we had started dating separately at that point. Um, I remember that she had really just gone through her first experience of uh, dating someone and having to break up with someone. So that's kind of, and then and then we were about to. I remember we were about to uh, have our first experience separating with a couple that we had been dating together. Yep. Yeah. And having, yeah, having our first experience kind of like splitting up with a, with another established couples and swapping um, separately. So we 
really continued to have a lot of growing pains in that that process. I would not say that we ever really reached a point where things were smooth at all. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that I will say that I that I think was a big problem with how it worked and how it happened was, you know, I, and I mentioned in our last interview that I was really adamant that if we were going to go this route, that we needed to put some serious work into it. Uh, I was reading a lot of books. I was listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, and I don't really feel like she ever, uh, met me there completely. Uh, you know, for example, I think that in the time that I read three books about polyamory, she just read The Ethical Slut. So I, just, I think that there was a, a, a inequity in uh, how much work we were putting in. And I think that that ultimately was one of the major factors in what led to it not working for us. Because I think we hit some pretty common uh, roadblocks, some pretty common issues that I was more prepared for overcoming than she was because I was doing, doing that work that had, from the people that had come before us and taken the time to write books about it. When, are you open to sharing what maybe some of those were and how, yeah. how you navigated them? And e- even knowing that there was some disparity in Talking about the roadblocks, not, yeah, yeah. not the books. Yeah, and how, yeah. Please tell us how you read a book, Dave. That's no, what I was no, trying the, to do. The that. specific books. I actually, I mean, got, you know, the, you know, there, quickly, like there, there is a. That was a challenge for me that I was pretty proud of overcoming because it's been a long time since I've been able to read really consistently. Uh, I was a voracious reader when I was young, and then in my adult life, I've got really gotten out of the habit, and for many years, tried to like okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to read books. And I would try to read at bedtime and I would fall asleep as soon as I'd start reading. I actually got in the, in the the COVID times, I developed some really, really positive habits and got rid of some really negative habits in my life. Um, And one of them was uh, I started going in the hot tub like every night and reading for 30 or 45 minutes. Uh, And that, so yeah, how did I read a book? It was actually, you know, there's a real story there. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's why I asked the, and that's why I asked the question, Emma. <laughs> no, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't making fun of your question. I was clarifying. I thought you were asking the type of books. No, that, I know. <laughs> or not the type, the name of the books. Anyway, I digress. Let's go back to the, <laughs> the question. Sure. Um, how did I, yeah, how, yeah, what were some of the things that I'm, that I'm talking about that were navigated between the two of us? Um, I mean, jealousy, first and foremost. Right. I, uh, I, there was, there was a disparity in how we were both approaching each other's relationships. Um, that was, that caused a lot of friction. Uh, I feel like every relationship that I tried to start, there was always a problem with it in Shannon's mind. And, so I, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of those those problems were not real problems. They were being created just out of her jealousy and her trying to figure out how to deal with these emotions. Um, I, I like I'll say it, it seemed to me like there was always a, a small issue blown up to a large issue. Like, 
I was, I would, you know, really try very hard to communicate and be honest in my communication and share everything that was going on. And there was, and, and there was always like a, Oh, but you slipped up and you gave this detail incorrectly. Right. Like I'd, I'd, I'd tell the truth about the fact that I had gone out with someone and I'd had sex with someone and all of the big stuff. And then I would be accused of being a liar and being dishonest because I had said, Oh, we started texting last Tuesday and she had said, Oh, I thought it was last Wednesday, you know, things like that. Like, right. And so things that are normally small, I mean, and to be fair, right? Like this is a hard thing we're navigating right now. Monogamy in general is, is difficult and poly is difficult and, and jealousy is difficult. And so, yeah, I think it is easy to take those things. And I'm not trying to like pick sides, but just that it is it is difficult and it is easy to see little things and say, Oh, well, there's an inconsistency. What else am I not hearing? Right. right. Like I know I know how easy that leap is to make. So yeah, those are those are really hard to navigate. And and then it's equally frustrating on your end, right? Like yeah. That you feel like everything is wrong, so I, I right, like yeah. I'm like I, like oh, I'm doing. I, I've told you all of the the big stuff that like a, a you know a, a normal partner would be upset about, but we're being we're being honest about that, right? Or a monogamous partner, I guess I should say, not normal, because we aren't <laughs> normalizing non-monogamous. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, so so I felt I always I, I felt really attacked quite often because I was like, look, I'm doing. I'm doing these things right, I feel like. And I, I'm sorry I made a mistake about the date or the time that a conversation started or something along those lines. I wasn't, it wasn't malicious. It was a mistake. Right. Um, so let's not extrapolate that mistake to everything that I'm telling you is, is now a lie. Right. Um, there were little things like, you know, so like I had one partner that I started to date that um, she, was, she was jealous because we weren't having sex right away. And to, I think that that threatened her because she, you know, was like, well, why are, why are you interested in this woman if it's not even a sexual relationship? And I was like, well, I'm trying to build things beyond that right now. And, you know, I don't have to have sex with every person right away that I'm dating. I'm trying to build more um, important things than that. And then I had another partner that, um, you know, she, she, we were trying to navigate. We were both going to be trying to date her, but... Um, there was a, there was a difference in communication and how often we were communicating. And so trying to navigate, like, how does, how does that work? Mm -hmm. Um, do we both start? And I still don't really understand that. I still haven't had navigated that successfully. Do you, when you're, when you're, you want to each have a relationship with this new person and a relationship together, or at least explore all of those things and see what's going to work and what's not how how do you make that work when one person likes to text more than the other you know so there and then um there was a lot of jealousy over over that and just communication um and then and then there was a whole there was a whole partner that just the relationship just got completely sabotaged because of a minor miscommunication of timing like i like i said oh i was talking to her this day or it was really actually this day so overall, we were just going through these these real struggles where every everyone that I tried to date, there was some reason for it to be wrong. There was right. something to be upset about. There was some issue to be had mm-hmm. with it. And 
on the flip side, I feel like I was doing a much better job of allowing her the freedom to start to have her own relationships. Not that I wasn't dealing with the same jealousy issues. I was just focused on dealing with them more appropriately. Right. And, 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 and understanding that they were my feelings and my issues to deal with. And she wasn't doing anything wrong. She was right. only doing what we had, we had agreed to. Right. Right. Does that answer your and question? So- Yes, it does. So okay. unless you have, I mean, there's so many, there's, there's so <laughs> I mean, many there's, things, yeah. right? Like it could go down so many paths. Uh, how, how long did you to try to make it work? Well, um, so we, we got back together and opened up completely in September, I think last year. And we, we were, we interviewed with you guys. I, I don't, I don't know if I'm giving anything away behind, behind the scenes magic. You can edit it out if I am. No, you're good. You're good. We, we we interviewed with you in November, even though it didn't air until I think January, right? right. So there's yeah. a little bit of lag time there. Yeah. Um, we were together until April. Okay. Okay. So, so about six months. Yeah, seven seven months. What? September, October, eight months. Eight. <laughs> seven or eight and, months. And through that time, it was largely trying to navigate polyamory and and ultimately not working out for the two of you, right? And then you've carried on sort of the 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 journey beyond that as a, I guess solo poly. Yeah, well, so I'll 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 say that. I mean, there's there's definitely more to the story. So I'm not, sure, um, sure. Yeah, I wasn't uh, trying to truncate it. You <laughs> feel free to fill in any gaps. Sure. Okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's it. We're we done. Were, <laughs> we, we, we made it through. <laughs> um, we, 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 we had, we were getting some counseling as well. I, I had, uh, gotten a therapist, uh, a couple's therapist that specialized in poly relationships. Um, so we were really trying to, to figure this stuff out. And, um, it was just, we just kept having the same issues come up over and over again. Um, Shannon started, so while we were having all of these these issues and I was not really finding a successful relationship because I felt like every time I did meet someone and start dating someone, it it there was a lot of uh, tension uh, with our relationship. Um, Shannon met someone. Uh, she had a couple of, you know, missteps and false starts with people that she was meeting. And then she met someone that pretty quickly escalated um to a serious place. And you know, one of the things in the first few months of that relationship that we were talking about with our therapist was, you know, that I was, I was having to work through like, okay, how do I deal with, I, I had figured out many years ago how to deal with any jealousy that came up around just seeing your partner with someone else or having sex with someone else. When she came home one day and uh, or one night after a date with him and told me that they had, discussed and realized that they were past the point of just being friends with benefits and having actual feelings for each other. That was a new thing that I knew I was going to have to deal with. But the first time it came up, it was kind of overwhelming. Um, so I was talking to, you know, our therapist about that and how to deal with that. And she was saying the right things about, you know, me still being, important and wanting and valuing our relationship, not wanting to, uh, hurt 
us uh, and, and wanting to, to do it right. At the same time, I feel, like I said, one of the major issues was that she was not doing the same groundwork. And in this instance, she was not really prepared for the concept of, of NRE and all the things that, you know, we know and we read about it, like how that's one of the most challenging things to go through in an uh, open relationship is that, okay, when you meet somebody new and, and you're like in the throes of that new relationship energy, it's going to make everything else seem kind of dull by comparison. But you have to be prepared for the fact that that's going to happen. You're going to get through it. It's going to fade just like, you know, everything, you know, it's going to get back to normal. Like you're in the normal place with your current relationship and you just have to be ready to stand by your commitments to your original partner and get through that. Okay. So I got COVID in April. Uh, it was in between vaccine shots. It was after my first shot. And for the first couple of days, I thought I was just having a really serious reaction to the vaccine shot. But um, I, I had COVID and it was really, really bad. And we had a trip planned to Vegas. It was our first trip out of town together since COVID had started. And, and I had to cancel everything because I got COVID. Well, she had taken the week off of work for that trip. And then... Uh, while I was really, really sick in bed, um, she told me that she wanted to go out of town uh, to the mountains for her first like out of town romantic getaway with her new guy. And I was like, no, that's not that's not cool. Um, I would have I would have a lot of feelings to deal with the first time that this happened, no matter what, whatever weekend it was on. But if it was on any other weekend, I feel like I would deal with it but the fact that you're asking me to do this this weekend and asking me to deal with these feelings for the first time when i feel like i'm dying from covid and really kind of scared and need help and need somebody to help take care of me was really it really just struck me as that's that's really i, I thought that's really selfish and kind of the last straw here with everything else that we had been dealing with. Um, so I, I told her that I didn't want her to go. And she said she thought she should be able to, and that I should basically, you know, I should be okay with it. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not okay with it. So I don't, if you're going to go, I don't think you should come back. And, uh, and that was kind of, and that was, that was how it ended. Well, I'm sorry. That's, that is a very challenging end to a long, a long journey together. I mean, it was two and a half years total that we were together. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, not just, yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot invested in there. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for that. That's, that's incredibly difficult. Yeah. Thanks. So what, and what I, what I skipped over, there was a really major event that happened uh, also during this time that I just kind of wanted to talk about playing out of the relationship first. But my ex-wife that I talked about in the last interview that I was still really dealing with a lot of the issues uh, and guilt of our divorce because I never really wanted to divorce her, um, but she had some really serious major issues with alcoholism and uh, bipolar disorder. 
and we reached a point that I just I couldn't I couldn't continue because she wasn't getting better and I wasn't helping her and she wasn't trying to get better. Uh, she passed away in January. Um, and that was you know so I that was that was a, that was a really major major uh, trauma. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry for that as well. That's that is super hard. So I can't imagine. And the impact that that must have had on you, and then let alone like you're re- you're trying to work through this relationship with Shannon too, and like trying to to navigate all of those emotions. All you know, eight months is a long time, but it's not also that long. Like that's a lot to handle in that time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, I feel like I, I, and I, and I feel like there was, you know, some aspect of that being part of what happened. I I think that maybe, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I certainly, I'll, I'll take some ownership that I know from that point, from January to April, I, I'm sure was not the same boyfriend as I had been before, because I was then dealing with my, with, with all this emotional trauma dealing with the grief of, uh, of losing my ex-wife, which we, we were, we were, we were talking a lot. I had actually had uh, dinner over at her place with um, my, with her daughter, my ex- stepdaughter and uh, her sister uh, like right around Christmas. So just a couple of weeks before she ended up passing away. Um, so it was, you know, it was really, it was really traumatic. And I, and I, I want to own that. I'm sure that, you know, me going through that was part of what led to maybe Shannon diving so headfirst into this relationship with this other guy and um, not wanting to put as much maybe into our relationship anymore because I was not exactly the happiest uh, yeah. fun person for that period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, appreciate that right the that's a hard one to own um and it's a hard it's a fucking hard one to go through so yeah again our our condolences thank you Uh, as you you mentioned right like your relationship was about two and a half years and eight months of that was what you kind of called the the full-on poly phase and it was it was a tough time but do you feel like throughout that time that that you and Shannon like did experience some, some benefits together and grew together and took away some, some valuable experiences. And, and also you had said that like, you know, hold judgment till the end that, that you kind of get to a better place with all of this, you know, with her and then maybe just sort of like wrapping that up and, Mm -hmm. and then we can take it into what, what has, what has the journey looked like for you since April? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. It look if, if everything is, it, I think one of the most optimistic ways that, that it's important to look at, at life is that, you know, every, actually, I don't remember where I first heard this. I don't know if it was, was from you guys or somebody on your show. Um, but there's been a, um, um, there's been an acronym that I've that I've started to to use uh, to describe this uh, Jaffle. Um, that's not on. That's not on. That's not. Well, hold on. Let's hear it out. Okay. If it's really good, we'll take credit. 
Um, Jaffle, J-A-F-L-E, just another fucking learning experience. There you go. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It's not us, but we've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Or wait, uh, hey, it. It, is, it, it is you know, us. You can turn everything. Just... Oh, yeah, right. No, thank you guys we'll, for we'll coming take, up We'll that. take credit. <laughs> um, there is, you know, it's, it's just like looking at everything, you know, you can spend, you, you should try to spend everything negative that happens into just another fucking learning experience. Right. You know, it's it, it, whatever, whatever you go through that is, is tough. Like at least hopefully you take something out of it. Um, I definitely take a lot out of what, what happened with us and I'm, and I'm, and I'm continuing. And I thank Shannon for really pushing me honestly to, um, to open up our relationship because I don't know where I would be right now if we hadn't done that. Um, and it ultimately was not successful for the two of us together, but one of the things, though, I, I, she and I have just really, we spent about six months not communicating at all. And in just the last couple of weeks, I had to reach out to her because I needed her signature for something. And it started us texting a little bit. She she really pushed it. I, I, I wanted to remain, like, non-communicative, and I was just kind of being stubborn, like, I'm not going to be your friend and she just really pushed. She knows my buttons very well. And so she just kept texting me, asking me questions that she knew that I would want to answer um, to, to open up conversation between the two of us. But what I what I found in talking to her in the last couple of weeks is she she knows exactly what she did. She's very apologetic. She's very uh, remorseful. She says, you know, like, I know that I screwed you over and, um, you know, that I made mistakes um at the end of the day i think that we're starting to both come to understand that she pushed us because that's an important part of the story and i know we i think we talked about it last time is that i was perfectly content to just be non-monogamous in the swinging capacity i'd done it for a long time it was fine with me uh i was i was perfectly satisfied to continue that way she pushed us that if we were going to be together, we were going to have a completely open relationship. So she pushed us into polyamory. And then ultimately I'm realizing now, and she's realizing now that's not what she wanted. She was pushing us into that because she, the relationship that we had was not what she wanted. And she was searching for a way to make that work. I don't think, She's not really in a non-monogamous relationship, which so she's still with this guy that she left me for ultimately, and they have a mostly monogamous relationship. I think that they may be starting to try to explore a little bit and see if that's what they want or what their comfort comfort level is. But um, Shannon wants a family, and I don't. I had my marriage. I had a stepdaughter, and that failed, and I during that marriage, like we decided we were not going to have any more kids. I got a vasectomy. I'm not going to have any kids. And Shannon kind of went back and forth about that, being okay with her. And, you know, she would go through long periods of time where she would feel just as much as I did that, you know, we're, we're selfish, hedonistic people and we love going on fish tour and going on jam cruise. And we love those things too much to really have kids but then she would have her moments of doubt about that and really feel like she wanted to be a mom. And I think ultimately that's a big part of what happened with us is that those doubts maybe were getting stronger. 
she thought that going poly would be a way to satisfy the other things that she wanted from her relationship that we weren't having together. But ultimately, when she met somebody that maybe fit what she was looking for better, um, that's that she realized that and that that made more sense to her that, you know, and I think that she thinks at least right now, who knows what the future holds, but I think that she thinks that this relationship that she found is going to be, she's, she's going to marry this person and have children and it's going to be a much more traditional kind of relationship structure than anything that we would have ever had. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So I think that ultimately, I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, we were not right for each other and we were trying, we were having a hard time admitting that and figuring that out because we had so much fun together probably right you're hanging on to the good so much yeah. like the, the the pieces that were good without really diving in of like oh no these other pieces are n- not compatible we're, we're not compatible here we're not ultimately maybe not ultimately happy in the relationship but yet there's so many fun parts that make the you're trying to figure out if you can make that worth it make the yeah. make the relationship feel happy and mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so I mean, understanding that now, and like having talked to her recently, where she's really taken ownership of, you know, what what happened, um, and and her her part in that, uh, you know, I'm 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 letting go of my anger, and um, I'm, you know, there's there's no point in holding on to it. We just think, like you said, think, unless you unless you unless you die together at the same time, then every relationship has has likely has its end, and you know, we were. Uh, our, ours might have been messier than I would have liked and, and hurt me in the moment more than uh, I would have ever chosen. But um, ultimately, it's probably a very good thing for both of us. Right. And I would imagine, right, even if you had tried to make monogamy work, right, if this had been, if you two didn't know anything about non-monogamy, chances are, like you said, you were sort of incompatible in in the long run anyway. And the non-monogamous piece um, you know, we've, we've talked to people who sometimes say like, oh, well, it allowed us to remain together for X amount of extra time. Or on the flip side, sometimes it has sped up the process and, and maybe it's kind of hard to tell, but like, I think it's just right to, to blame polyamory for what happened is, is kind of tough, right? Like you've both sort of discussed that. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that. I don't blame polyamory for what happened. I, again, I I think that I don't know if, you know, when, or if I would have gotten to exploring being poly, if not for her pushing that. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, it's a good, it's a good transition because, uh, you know, I am, I'm not an expert yet in being polyamorous by any means, but I am certainly much more confident that it is uh, me and I'm, I'm, I'm finding a lot of success in that lifestyle and that life choice uh, that I have to, you know, thank her for, for pushing me into it. Cause when I, when I was with my ex-wife and we were, and we were, you know, swinging, I always saw, being poly is kind of the ultimate goal of evolving, evolved relationships, right? Like as you start to deal with your jealousy and start to learn how fulfilling it can be to explore non-monogamous situations and relationships on any level, right? Even when you're just having fun, having sex with other people, with your partner, as you start to get better at that and really enjoy it, 
it's kind of impossible to not look towards like, well, if this is great and letting go of my jealousy to this amount has been great, how amazing would it be to just be at a place where you don't experience any jealousy? You only experience compersion. And you can, you can be happy for your partner, whatever they do, whether it's having sex with someone, whether it's being in love with someone. And, and so I always kind of saw that as being the ultimate goal of being on a non-monogamous road. I didn't know or uh, even think that I might ever be there, right? It's a goal, but I didn't, I didn't know if I'd ever achieve that or even try. But right, right. I'm, I'm much closer to that now. Mm-hmm. And maybe that leads like, I want to go back a little bit, but right now, where, where do you feel you are? Um, I'm, I'm in a great place. Um, I, you know, the last six months has been, uh, not, not, not to, not to say that this is why I'm in a great place now, but to give the background the last six months, especially like the start of it after, after Shannon left, uh, has been the sluttiest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I, have just, I mean, I've had a lot, I've been having a lot of fun. I've been meeting a lot of great people, um, to put it into context, like, you know, the last six years I've been in non-monogamous relationships. So, you know, certainly not um, any lack of sex or meeting new partners. But in the last six months, I have um, hooked up with as many people, as many different people as I did in the previous six years. Mm-hmm. So it's been a very active six months. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and that's, you're... that's been an evolution because at that beginning, at the beginning of that six months, it was very just you know, I would just say slutty. I was just, I was just, you know, meeting a lot of people. There was a definitely an aspect of, you know, getting over the last person by getting under the next person. And, um, not that that's healthy, but that's certainly my pattern of dealing with breakups and hurt. Um, Hey, no judgment here. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, but it, you know, it's, it, it was, it was a process of learning, like, you know, it was the first time where I was like, okay, I'm not only am I single and dating, but I'm poly now and, and single and dating and, uh, you know, solo poly. And like, um, this just gives me this whole new thing to explore where I can meet people and just be honest with them. Like, even if we fall in love with each other, I'm not going to be monogamous to you. I'm still going to be dating other people. So, you know, it's a freedom that I hadn't really experienced before. And, um, you know, there was a fair amount of just really casual encounters at the beginning of this last six months that has evolved to, um, having some really, really solid relationships now and, and, and trying and phasing out for the most part, the casual, completely casual. encounters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like kind of owning it, right? Like, yeah, it was, uh, (laughs) some, yeah, like you said, getting under somebody else to get over to get over what you were working on, and that, yeah. and then like you said, that it's evolved, and and you're finding that you're in a great space, and that it's that these relationships take on a little bit of a different dynamic. And how how has that gone? That like communicating to people openly and honestly about like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing because we, we talked, you know, we talked to a fair amount of people and like the, the, typically if it's a couple, right, they experience this imbalance where 
the the woman in the couple has like a billion and a half messages on whatever dating app and the guy has like three and there's this constant like why is it like this and so how how has that been going for you i don't i don't i i mean i honestly i i feel like i and i and i've tried to implement this with some of my single male friends who struggle a little bit i feel like i should maybe be a dating coach <laughs> that might be a calling um, because I, I, I don't know. It's, it's very easy for me. And I'm, and I, and I, 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 I've never had that experience. Like we, and I think, I don't remember if it came up, um, on our last interview, but one of the challenges that Shannon and I had early on was that I think when she pushed for us to be poly and open up, she thought her phone was going to be ringing off the hook and that I might be sitting home, you know, uh, wondering what was going on. And it was not that way at all. And it wasn't, it wasn't because she's not beautiful and sexy it was because she was not as comfortable meeting people um she wanted to she wanted to start relationships and and have sex with people that she already knew like that she had had crushes on like guys from her billiards team that she mentioned a couple of times in the last interview and i have always been very comfortable just putting myself out there and meeting new people when she didn't she wasn't comfortable with like online dating and stuff which is funny because Ultimately, the guy that she ended up meeting, she met on field. But um, I was meeting tons of people on field, tons of people on Facebook, um, and I'll, and I just I've just always been comfortable with that. So, so what has it been like? I mean, that's it's been easy. It's been uh, you know I, I don't really have a hard time putting myself out there and meeting people um, and, and what, being honest about your like desire to what you're looking for. Yeah, and and that's been a big part of it. Is so I meet a lot of people in like Facebook poly groups and um you know in 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 ways that it is already known that uh we are poly so i i and and that's and that's something i would say one one takeaway i i i would i've had i had i've had it go both ways where I, i basically had two people that i've started trying to date that weren't already poly um one, the first one should have maybe in some ways taught me a lesson about that and that, that like, okay, be careful about getting involved with someone who thinks that they're going to make you monogamous because that doesn't, that didn't work. But then again, one of my two, uh, you know, most, most, uh, I, I, I'm still mess. I'm, I'm confused about terminology. I guess because of being solo poly at this point, because I have two what I would call primary relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, can, is that a thing? Can they be? Can they both be primary relationships? I think <laughs> we we struggle with labels ourselves, and I think it's really just a matter of what it feels like to you. We actually did an interview with a couple the other night who they were both describing, and they said it a few times, like we we have multiple primary partners and I know that sort of um, uh, it just contradicts itself. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like to me, like, yeah, you have two really important partners in your life or multiple really important partners in your life. So yeah, from, I don't know, we're pretty easy going on terminology. I'm sure somebody out there is listening. uh, One of those was like started off the same way that she uh, is open about the fact that she thought that when she started dating me, she was going to be able to convince me to be monogamous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have actually c- 
convinced her to open up and now she's dating other people and, and starting to, you know, have success with that and, and learn how to do it. So I, 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 you know, I'm glad I didn't take and make a rule from the first time that it was, that it crashed and burned and was not successful. Like, okay, don't ever do that again. Right. Cause sometimes, you know, sometimes somebody's going to be, you know, I, I, I think, you know, if somebody thinks they're going to convince me to be monogamous, they're in for a rude awakening probably, but that, that, <laughs> that they might, you know, find themselves being poly instead. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm just, you know, I'm curious, you know, you, you talked about this a little bit too, but just dig in a little bit more. You had said previously, like you weren't interested in poly. You were like very happy with the swinging. Mm-hmm. And then you went down this poly route with Shannon. That was difficult. That yeah. had a lot of hurdles. And yet now you're very much like, I, I like this. This is me. This is who I am. And do you mind talking about that journey a little bit, that, that shift in mindset for you? Yeah, I think that it was, I think I was scared of it. I, you know, like I said, I think that I always, since I ever started on the non-monogamous journey in general, I've always looked at this being the ultimate state of evolution with relationships and emotions. And I just felt like I will probably never be ready to be there. I will probably never be able to handle my jealousy enough to, to do that. And when uh, I, I opened myself up to it, um, you know, and a big part of it is the, is all the books that I read, I think, you know, just, just like really like gaining a deeper understanding of the benefits of, uh, of being at that level and what it really can do for you and, and allow you to do in your life to be able to have multiple fully loving, fully committed, deep relationships with people and not closed off to only having one of those at a time. Uh, it's, it's incredibly powerful. And I, and I think that, why I would have not tried it or it would have been a long time before I'd gotten to a point of trying it. I needed somebody to push me into it because I was afraid that I couldn't handle it, that I couldn't do it. And I was and and once I once I started, I realized, you know what, I'm actually pretty fucking good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what was that that journey of dealing with the je- like it sounds like jealousy was one of the big things that you were concerned about and I mean, there's reading books, but then it's like, like anything, right? You can read all the books in the world, but when you get out into the, into the real world, <laughs> it's a different, it's a different game. Theoretical versus uh, yeah. experience. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that I, I learned pretty quickly on, like I was saying with what happened with me, Shannon and I, I think I learned pretty quickly that I could deal with it, that, uh, it, you know, it's not the end of the world. You, you, you you might get overwhelmed with jealousy once in a while, but you have the ability to deal with it. You have the ability to process it. The first step is is taking ownership of it and making that decision that your jealousy is not the other person's problem, right? It's not them doing something to you, especially if you're still operating within the boundaries that you've communicated and set that if they're following the guidelines that you have set forth, they're not doing anything wrong. If they're doing something that's making you feel jealous and it's not crossing a boundary, 
then that's on you to figure out how to deal with it. That's on you to process it and not take it out on them. Right. And then, you know, they, they say that, that jealousy, you know, the, the problem with jealousy is not feeling it. It's how you react to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think taking, I just taking, it. yes, sorry, taking responsibility for your own emotion. Right. I mean, right. 100%. Mm-hmm. And that takes practice too, right? Like you don't, you know, you don't get it the first time or maybe you do, but then maybe you don't get it the second time, right? Like it's, it's one of those things that you're ever evolving. And, and, you know, I think something that Emma and I learned is at least I would say I learned is I, I felt for a long time as if I didn't really have that jealousy and I've learned in new relationships, I do still have that. And so that's an interesting thing, right? Where I don't really have that with Emma, but I have it with other people. And so it's, it's one of those things that's always um, evolving and coming up in different ways. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's really interesting. So I, I, I love that you just told me that because I love, I, I think I've mentioned in one of my, my emails to you guys, like, I wish that you talked more about yourselves. I think you've gotten a little bit away in all these podcasts and how long you've been doing it from, from talking about your own experiences as much. And yeah. I love, I, I love hearing about that. Well, we we weave it in where it's important. <laughs> we do. We we uh, we're not strangers to struggling with jealousy and uh, and our own insecurities and our own uh, emotions. It's not it's not always easy. Um, sure. By any sure. means. No, and I'm still. I mean, I, I, you know, I haven't like conquered it by any means, but I've learned. I think the the important lessons of the most important lessons of, of, of how you, of the fact that like, don't freak out, you can deal with it. Just like take a step back, give yourself a chance to process it. Don't take it out on your partner. I mean, it's, it still comes up, you know, I have, I have partners that, um, you know, one of my, one of my main partners is, um, maybe that's a better way of saying it, main and rather <laughs> than primary. Cause I do have, I have, I have main partners that I have committed relationships with. And then I have, partners that I'm still working on developing where we're going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I say, and what, and one of them is, is long distance. And so I, I struggle um, with, you know, not being there and, and um, hearing about what's going on with her dating life and, and the new people that she meets and, 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 you know, questioning my own importance in that. And can I, can I be as important as these other people when I live a thousand miles away? You know, that's another important lesson about jealousy, right? Is, is once you like really understand, once you start analyzing your jealousy and where it's coming from, you really quickly understand that it's, it's not on the other person. It's very rarely like about what the other person is doing. It's, it's your own insecurity about where you, you know, about being replaced for me usually. Right. And and there and there and I have reasons to to be afraid of that, and that's something that I you know that that now I have this whole level of like okay I'm I I, I am committed to being poly I am committed to exploring uh, these relationships in this way, but I have to deal with the fact that I have in my first foray into being completely poly and being in a polyamorous relationship I was replaced. I yeah. was I was not good enough. I was found to be lacking in areas um, that they decided that my partner decided that they would rather have someone else to fill things better and get rid of me. So I have to deal with that now, and that right. certainly comes up. 
you know, in my, in my jealousy with other partners, I have to like really figure out like, okay, okay. I'm feeling jealous because I'm really more than anything. I'm just worried about, I'm going to be replaced and I have to learn to trust my partners when they tell me that that's not, they know that that's not happening, that they are committed to making things work with me, even if they feel strongly for other people. So. Yeah. And I think it's right. First of all, like you said, like that's sort of the ultimate fear, right? When people start to open up their relationship is like, well, if we open this up, my, my partner's going to leave me. Mm-hmm. And, and you face that fear that basically the very first time, I think maybe the, the thing that you got to experience too, is that you've come out of it. Okay. Right. And so mm-hmm. ideal, and that's not your ideal situation. Like, well, I don't want to get replaced a hundred times. But you know that if it happens, you you can recover, and it's not fun or easy. But you've gotten to face that fear kind of head on, and right. so I think there's still some value in that. You know, another opportunity to learn. Right, right. <laughs> and the, the other ja- piece of like, yeah. I know it's a jaffle. The other piece I was just going to comment on here about jealousy and like taking responsibility for your own insecurities, for your own emotion. But part of that is also identifying your own needs to work through those emotions and then communicating that to your partner and Mm -hmm. to like, you are in a partnership, right? Like you should be able to work together to, to work through those emotions ultimately, but there's a fine balance there (laughs) to figure out. You don't want to put all your emotion onto your other, onto your partner, but there's, there's, there's a balance of it's okay to ask for and communicate your needs in a relationship. And that was my point. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so as you as you've continued to navigate the solo poly world and do you do you have a sort of a feel for like what you think might be like the ideal dynamic for you is it like seven primary partners in quotes <laughs> and a couple of you know casual partners like what is yeah what no, is a, the that's the a great question cuz I'm trying I am trying to figure out like what what is the point of being polysaturated right cuz like yep. Yeah. Um, where, what does that look like? Where, where's the, where's my most comfortable level? Because I'm probably overextending myself, uh, you know, just, just in general right now. Um, I mean, so I have, you know, so I have the two, um, what I you know, my, my, my two main partners, um, and I have kind of a, a comet relationship, um, that, you know, is an, is an ex partner from, from many years ago, who's now going through a divorce, and so she's coming back into my life. Um, she, I really, our relationship right now is more of like a support standpoint. Um, I'm trying to, you know, just help her through what she's going through, but she's been important to me for a really long period of time, many years, even though we've gone many years at a time without even speaking. But, um, and then I, and then I have, a, um, I'm exploring a kind of a kitchen table poly um scenario for the first time because i'm dating a, a woman who's in a poly marriage and i'm you know i, I went over to d- dinner at their house and had dinner um, i actually like had so we had like an afternoon date the two of us and then i came back for dinner uh, and and hung out with her and her husband and their their son and that was really cool um very new for me so kind of like exploring you know that dynamic and then I have a couple of like married friends with benefits. Um, so my, 
my, my dance card is very full. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure, oh, and I have, and, and, and then uh, w- along with that, I have a, I have a partner that I am like in love with that I had asked, can I fall in love with you? Because we, she, this was actually somebody that I started dating when Shannon and I were still together that Shannon kind of had some issues with actually the one that I mentioned that we weren't having sex right away. Um, and it was more of like an emotional connection without that. We just, we couldn't see each other. We still can't. We, I, she, she is polysaturated and right. she doesn't have time for me and she wants to, and I want her to. And I, and I'm, that's, you know, something that I'm trying to navigate and that, and, and seeing the example of how that works and how it makes me feel that I'm like, I've fallen for somebody who really doesn't have time for me in their life. And they're trying to make time, but it's a struggle. Right. Makes me realize like the importance of not letting myself get into that situation with other people. Mm-hmm. And, and how do I manage that? I don't know. I'm, I'm big, big part of what I'm, I'm trying to learn about and manage and work on right now for myself. Yeah. Well, I, I want to just say like, I have a lot of appreciation for like your transparency on what you've navigated because like it hasn't been a smooth route and it's, it's there's, there's been swinging, there's been poly, there's been breakups, there's been a lot of stuff and, and you just, you're very optimistic and you take away value in all of it. And I think you're, you're constantly like, like you said, you've got a really full dance card, but now you're recognizing that like, you've been on the flip side and that doesn't feel good. So maybe it's not as fair to like ramp it all up if you can't keep people what, what they're wanting out of it. And so I think there's just like so much, like, I don't know, you're kind of drinking from a fire hose this last six months. And (laughs) definitely. And, and I just appreciate like you being open and transparent about it. It's, it's super valuable and, and it's difficult, but, but also like, rewarding in a lot of ways from, yeah. from what we can tell it is yeah. can i can i can i touch briefly on on some of the like more like fun stuff of the drinking from the fire hose before uh, yes. yeah before absolutely absolutely so i so i um well first of all so i went to vegas and went to um my first actual sex club um i had uh shortly after uh everything happened with COVID and and Shannon and I splitting up. I had a girl that I went to high school with reach out to me on Facebook and that like, I'd never had, I didn't have a a relationship with in high school. We went to junior high and high school together and she saw the stuff that I was going through on Facebook with my wife passing away with going through a breakup with having COVID and she reached out. And um, the next thing I knew we were going to Vegas together um, for a weekend and um, I went to uh, the Green Door, and we've heard of it. <laughs> so we have we have like great swinger clubs here in Denver, and I've never been to one. Uh, you know, I've never been to the Scarly Ranch, which is the most the famous big one, yeah. um, because my ex wife didn't want to go. She preferred more intimate uh, scenarios with with people that we knew. Shannon and I talked a lot about going, but ultimately. We were trying to get just another couple that we knew to go so that we would have like some comfort level of having friends there if we felt uncomfortable with it. So over the last you know six years, I've had multiple conversations with different partners 
about going and checking it out and just never made it. But I've heard a lot about it. I know a lot of people that go regularly, so I know kind of what to expect. And mm-hmm. I didn't think about the difference. And this is going to kind of get into blooper territory, which I know you guys love. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Perfect. <laughs> and um, I didn't really think about the difference between a swinger club and a sex club. The difference okay. is single men. Okay. Ah, right? uh, yeah. The, the difference is that from what I was expecting and understanding, there aren't a ton of single men at these places because I'm coming at it from like hearing about the Scarlet Ranch, where it's you know heavily discouraged to come as a single man. Whereas you go to a sex club, not a swinger club. And there are a ton of single dudes there. And I found myself in my first like club experience not being prepared for that fact and having being very, very thrown off by the fact that, like, okay, I'm here with a partner and we are trying to have fun and have sex in front of other people. And there are like 10 single men in a circle jerk around us. <laughs> just that just waiting waiting for an way. opening <laughs> yeah 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 it is <laughs> uh, that, yeah. Was, that was that was something that i was not comfortable with or uh prepared for and really threw me off so yeah. that's the first the first the first story i wanted to share um with the, blooper. <laughs> the, the second one is well, much more fun and exciting i got to plan my first orgy which let not just my first orgy that I planned by my first orgy that I went to that I had been a part of <laughs> Wow! because I'd never been a part of like a group more than five people. I think like two couples and an extra would mm-hmm. have been like, you know, the, the, the largest group uh, dynamic that I had really been part of. Um, I know this is, you know, probably sounds really like silly to you guys with your desire experiences and everything, but <laughs> well, we're not, we're not as crazy as we seem. Uh, <laughs> oh, sure. yeah, um, right. But so I, I, I was actually on Dan Savage about it. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I called awesome. in um, with a question because I was, you know, planning this. And um, I had a question for him specifically about like the place that I rented the venue had like a, a projector on the wall. And I was like, what do I, what do I play? What like video content do you play at an orgy? Cause like, I don't want to just play porn. Right. Like I want something sexy and erotic, but artsy and obscure at the same time. Um, and, and he completely, you know, it was a little disappointing. He completely missed the point of my question and was just like, yeah, don't play porn. You don't want people just looking at porn. You're trying to create the sexiness there. And I was like, I know that's why I called. That's what I was asking. But I, <laughs> but I also like threw out there a term he shut down that I, and I definitely got it from, from your show. Um, there was, there was a, a young woman who was the captain of the, I think Princeton orgy team. Yeah. The Yale, the Yale orgy Yale, club, the Yale orgy yeah. club. And yeah. I think she, and she used the term orginizer. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, and I picked that up and I, and I love it. And I tried to use it. <laughs> on my call with Dan Savage and he shut it down. He was like, listen, I don't think that that's going to go anywhere. I wouldn't expect that to take off. What? Well, oh man. If we ever get to throw down with uncle Dan, <laughs> we'll straight, we'll straighten his straight. ass out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't arm wrestle him, but yeah. yeah. Um, and so then I, and then I think a, a funny like blooper of how like every, how funny everything like, 
it's such a small world in the lifestyle, right? It, it gets it like I'm, I'm struck by that. Like, it, especially when you start narrowing it down into subcultures within the subculture. Um, like, you know, Shannon and I talked a lot about our music passion and, and, you know, jam crews and fish. Well, so the orgy that I planned was after a fish show and it was only people that were going to the fish show. So it was like, and I, I had this really funny experience of just like having my mind blown with the, the smallness of the scene when there was this woman, I, I had, you know, one of the rules that I had set maybe partially because of my experience at the green door was no single men, right? Like we're trying to create a vibe. We're trying to create a dynamic here. And like, that's only going to happen with a good ratio of male to female. And, um, one, a good friend of mine had invited the woman that he was trying to invite as his date when it came down to it was having second thoughts. And he asked me to to talk to her and, and help, you know, convince her that it was going to be okay. What she was really having at the time, what she was having concerns about was COVID and having an orgy in, in the resurgence of, of the Delta variant and COVID, which is a reasonable concern. But I felt like I was being even, you know, three times as, as safe and conscious as the fish show that we were all going to, right. Which was just a vaccination or a negative test in 48 hours. And I was like, well, I'm only inviting vaccinated people you have to have a negative test within 48 hours, a PCR test. And mm-hmm. we're, we're going to do, um, we were going to do, uh, uh, you know, over the counter tests at the door. We ended up deciding not to do that because we felt like it was enough of other two levels of uh, COVID security. But anyway, I had this really funny experience with a, this woman I'm talking to, trying to convince just come to be his date so that he doesn't have to not go. All of a sudden we started exchanging nudes and sexting and then we were going on a date and i was out i was out with her on a date and um it had moved from her being concerned about covid to i don't know if i can come now because i have another guy another partner who lives in new york who's coming to these shows now and he's gonna be staying with me for the weekend and i i know the single man policy so i know that i can't probably come with two men um and i was like well it's fine you know we'll find the first friend somebody else to bring you should still come bring this guy tell me more about this guy and i quickly realize that the guy that she's talking about who lives in new york is shannon's ex-boyfriend from the last episode yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, yeah. You guys remember the the boyfriend that she talks about finding out that he had cheated on her, and then yeah, you know, it put, putting her in the scenario where she decided to have the revenge threesome. Right, this is right. Boyfriend. Wow. <laughs> what a small world. What a small world. And I was like, uh, actually, you're right. You can't come anymore because <laughs> you can't. You can't bring him. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. And I I know we're running out of time. Yeah. Um and not to be abrupt with our ending, but I do have one final question. Sure. What did you put on the projector? <laughs> well, um I I did not know how long it might take Dan to get to my call. So I called like I, I, I specifically called like a week in advance before 
the next episode would be coming out before the orgy. And it, when I listened to that episode and then my question was not answered, I was like, okay, well, he didn't get to it. He answered it two weeks later. So it was like two weeks after the orgy had happened. He didn't really, like I said, answer my question anyway. So it wouldn't have really helped. But I ended up being incredibly stressed about the party and the prep that day. And I had taken on a lot. And um, when it came down to it, when we got there, I, I ran out of time in the in the afternoon that we were setting up before the fish show. And I ran out of time to figure out that part. So when we got there after the show, I was like, I am not doing anything else to prepare. I'm having a good time. I'm, I'm letting myself relax. And what he had, what the owner of the place had left on the projector would projector was just Netflix trailers. <laughs> so we ended up, in not having any sexy content at all, we ended up having Netflix trailers playing on the projector the whole time, which nobody was paying attention to, so it was fine. But there were a couple of funny comments throughout the evening, like, are we going to put anything else on besides these Netflix trailers? And I was like, nope. We're not, <laughs> just, I'm not dealing with it. <laughs> nope, that's just is what it is. It's just yeah. going to be background noise. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, for one, blame Dan Savage, and if he wants to defend himself, he can <laughs> You can come on our show and do so. No, yeah. I'm I'm totally joking, but <laughs> well, you got to find some way to get him on, right? I know. We right? might as well challenge him to there a duel, right? Him. Or we about have, the yeah. origin, origin. Yeah, we have. Organizer. We haven't tried those. Uh, Organizer, yes. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Dave, for coming on and sharing this last year evolution on your journey. We really appreciate it, um, and yeah, just thank you. Thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. And have a fantastic day. And maybe we'll hear another update. In yeah. Here. Yeah. We'll get the three year update. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know. All I'm right. Not going anywhere. Perfect. We'll have a fantastic day. And thank you again. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. And we're back. A huge thank you to Dave for reaching out to us again, wanting to come back on the show and sharing your story and being vulnerable with us. Uh, it means a lot, and we're very grateful. Yeah, a huge amount of gratitude for that. And uh, to be honest, he was pretty nervous about it because, uh, you know, as he talked about, like, Shannon wasn't here to defend herself. And so he was really trying to give her a fair shake and really kind of, like you said, hold your judgment till the end. Um, and you know, they're definitely in a better place than they were. So we love hearing that. And again, thank you for that. And Shannon, if you happen to be listening, thank you as well. Yes. We, we appreciate it. Yes, very much so. So we also have a couple of updates. In, we do. In the intro, we weren't sure about the holiday situation for December on our <laughs> meet and greets. We wanted to make sure our meet and greets didn't fall on December holidays. We, ha we have some exciting news. There are some holidays that we conflict with. December 9th is National Llama Day. Yes. And International Anti-Corruption Day. And Christmas Card Day. And Christmas Card Day. And... We feel pretty confident that we can work those into the theme of the meet and greet. The other exciting one is December 17th, also some holidays. Yes, guess what? It's National Ugly Sweater Day. And National Maple Syrup Day, National Underdog Day, and... Wright Brothers Day. The Wright Brothers Day, Pan American Aviation Day. Yeah. So we got a lot of things. There's going to be a lot of themes. There's going to be a definitely an ugly sweater theme on the 17th meet and greet. And we're going to have a maple syrup chugging contest. Ooh, how big is the container? <laughs> a gallon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we'll see how this goes. 
<laughs> anyway, if you're interested in uh, joining the virtual meet and greets, now that we've plugged them all, uh, go to our website, normalizingnowmonogamy.com, click on the community events tab, and you can sign up there. Again, these are open to anyone. You just need to be open-minded. And, and have a llama. And have a llama and an ugly sweater. Yes. <laughs> and they're pay what feels good. So please, we'd love to have you come join us. Hey, did you know, fun fact about Finn, a, fun, a fun Finn fact. Fun Finn fact. Uh, my college roommate was a llama farmer. I did know that. I know you knew that. <laughs> Because he was one of my friends, too. He was. So if you're listening, you can join us for National International National Llama Day. I don't remember what it said. It's, let's make it international <laughs> because we'll have people from around the globe. All right. It was national. National. We're taking it international. <laughs> That's the December 9th. All right. Enough of that. Uh, the other thing we wanted to say is if you are getting back out into the world and meeting people in person... Uh, we would love it if you would join us in being sexual health advocates. And the way that Emma and I do that is we use a service called stdcheck.com to get tested for STIs so we can intelligently and informatively talk to our partners about our status. So we've been using this service for many years, at least a few. Mm-hmm. We love it. It's amazing. It's low cost. It's simple, straightforward, private. All of the things that you want in your STI testing service std check does and if you use the links on our website it saves you ten dollars and it helps support the show so we thank you in advance for not only supporting the show but supporting the sex positive community yes yes thank you so much and you don't need to bring your llama (laughs) to std checking no to (laughs) std checking (laughs) oh boy no that would be pretty hilarious though i mean you can if you take your llama (laughs) Please send us a photo. Yeah, we'd love that. Yes. Actually, if you just use the service at all, please send us a voicemail or an email and let us know. We'd love to hear how it works for you. Yeah, we know you're using, we know a lot of you are using it, but we don't get a ton of feedback on how much you love it. So we love it. We'd love to hear if you love it. Yes. There's a lot of love in that. Uh huh. A lot of love. I think with that, are we good to go? Well, next week we have another interview. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Emma's a little, little chomping at the bit. <laughs> Next week, we have an interview with Judy and Eldon. Yes, this is an awesome conversation. It's beautiful, and we're excited to bring it to you next week. And we hope you all come back, and we will see you in about seven days. Yep. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.